Welcome to the Under 8 Podcast, a daily college basketball show brought to you every weekday in under eight minutes at the time of recording. It is Tuesday, January 16th, 11, 13 p.m. My name is Josh Molnix. On today's pod, the Boilers cruise in Bloomington, K-State, tops Baylor, and a key outcome in the Big Ten race. It's all right now on the Under 8 Podcast. Josh Doring is here with me one year ago, Mr. Doring, a top five caliber Purdue team lost both matchups to Indiana this year. That will not happen. The Boilers go into Simon Scott Assembly Hall, 87-66. Maybe there was a moment in the second half where you thought maybe this could be closed down the stretch, but then Purdue goes on another run, closes the door shut, and... um the Boilers uh, get a 21-point victory over Mike Woodson's Hoosiers. <laughs> and that run reduced the halftime deficit, which was 51-29. to 29. Mm. There's that part, <laughs> yes. too. Yes. Did Indiana make it competitive for a hot second? Sure. Also, it was a 22-point game at halftime. <laughs> so mm. you can forgive Purdue a little bit for relaxing. Now... They've had issues with that in the passing games where they can't afford to relax. But this one, they absolutely took care of business. By the way, these two teams entered the game with the same record in Big Ten play. How about that? Which is, to me, part of the importance of this game and why we definitely wanted to talk about it. Because Purdue has struggled in this game. Because Purdue has not been good on the road in Big Ten play. Because despite Indiana's shortcomings, they win their home games. They were 4-2 and two in the Big Ten. Kansas is the only other team to win in that building this season. Obviously, Purdue was clearly the better team last year. And right. didn't matter. lost twice. Yeah. Just one of those games where... And hopefully get Josh back here in a second. Just one of those games that you don't, that you don't know what's going to happen necessarily no matter what the the situation is but Purdue 87 66 some of the specifics on this one Zach Eady 33 and 14 11 of 23 went to the stripe uh 12 times made 11 of them uh, Fletcher Lawyer Lance Jones were the the perimeter production kind of flanking what Zach Eady was doing 19 points for Fletcher Lawyer, 17 points for Lance Jones on a night where Brayden Smith was just 2 of 14 from the field, 5 points, but he had 19, excuse me, 9 assists, 2 steals to just 2 turnovers. That's if he's not going to score, then at the very least, uh, taking care of the basketball and dishing out assists is what you'll need Braden Smith to do. Uh, Boilers just 8 turnovers in this competition in big 10 play. Let's take a look. Their turnover rate um, was 10th offensively. And when you're 10th offensively and you're 14th in the category of forcing turnovers, that was a a place where Purdue was struggling. They win that uh, slightly, uh, not very many turnovers at all in this game for either team, but 10 turnovers for the Hoosiers Hoosiers eight of 24 from the three point line. It was just, just a, a little too much for, 
for Mike Woodson's squad on this particular night. I believe we have Josh back in here, so let's get him back in the conversation. Josh, hello. Welcome back. Um, a game where it just, just Purdue had more than Indiana. Braden Smith doesn't shoot it well, but has a really nice just point guard facilitation take care, taking care of the basketball game, and it's uh, an easy win for Purdue. Yeah, uh, Fletcher Lawyer, Lance Jones, 36. That's always helpful. Braden Smith mm-hmm. doesn't have to be great every single night. He's just got to do his job. Nine assists, two turnovers. That's all you really need. This, I do think this was an important statement win for Purdue to remind everybody just how good they can be. Indeed, indeed. Purdue, 87-66. They moved 16-2 and on the season, now 5-2. and in Big Ten play. In the Big 12, 68-64 in overtime. K-State over Baylor. Baylor Bears had a hard time hitting the broadside of a barn in this particular game and um, just not able to score enough points. It's not like K-State shot the lights out. In fact, they probably were much closer to the opposite, but uh, on a night where Baylor was 5 of 28 from the three-point line and their starting backcourt, those three guards were a combined 8 of 36 from the field. Uh, The Wildcats got just enough offensively uh, to get an overtime win at home. Baylor couldn't hit free throws either. It was any attempt to put the ball in the basket. Yeah, yeah. Cam Carter was the only starter on either team that shot 50% or better from the field. He had 18 points. Mm. Very possibly the best player on the floor. That always helps. Yeah, this was not a pretty basketball game. (laughs) And that was epitomized by the fact that Baylor was up one at the end of regulation and fouled and was up two in overtime and fouled Arthur Kaluma while shooting a three that led to a four-point play, which is ultimately what turned the tide in Kansas State's favor finally. I guess the good news for Scott Drew is it wasn't a defensive issue. <laughs> they just couldn't shoot the ball, which happens sometimes. And you still had it and you still should have won this game. Sure. Sometimes you got to just take the positive and move on in Big 12 play. Jerome Tang seems to have his number, which is an interesting story out of all of this, that Kansas State has done quite well against Baylor since he took that job last year. And inexplicably, Kansas State is also now 5-0 in overtime, so there's that. K-State's also 116th in offense at Kempom. So, yes, you 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 played a team that didn't just shoot the lights out against you. Um, Definitely something to pay attention to as we move forward, because on the other hand, like you need, it's now two games in a row where they've failed to eclipse 65 points. Like the way that Baylor is built this year, um, you can't go long stretches, not shooting the ball. Well, yeah. And this is, yeah, this is not last year's Kansas state offensively. (laughs) So there is that part that needs to be qualified. Big 12, of course, Texas Tech, 3-0. and As we all expected, last undefeated team expected. in the conference. Shouts to Texas Tech. They're doing their best to turn our beloved Bulldogs' home win against Texas Tech into a, into a nice win, and Butler's just not helping themselves out at all. But Texas Tech, Red Raiders, shouts out to you. Shouts out to Grant McCaslin. They're trying their best, and Butler... 
punting on their part of the equation. Uh, 68-64 in overtime. Those two teams, by the way, now both 3-1 and one in conference. So that was a game for K-State to basically keep up with Baylor. Um, Texas Tech, the only team with no losses. There are still four teams in the conference. Baylor, Kansas State, Iowa State, and Kansas. That's And is Iowa State about to lose? Is that right? Oh, yeah. They're about to lose. So no longer them, but uh, still some teams uh, off to a very, very strong start in Big 12 play. Last but not least in the Big 10, the now 8-9 and nine Penn State Nittany Lions. 87, number 11 Wisconsin, 83. What say you about this game? That was sneakily, when it comes to the Big 10 race, uh, a pretty interesting outcome for a Wisconsin team that was off to the races in the Big Ten. This is just college basketball at its finest, right? Wisconsin comes here in here. The only team they've lost to since November 14th is Arizona. The only teams that have scored 80 points on them are Tennessee and Arizona. Mm-hmm. Penn State is clearly in rebuilding mode. Year one under Mike Rhodes, looking for a signature win. Wisconsin's got this chance to really put pressure on the Purdue's of the world to go take care of business in every road game you should win, right? We were about to get to a point where Purdue can't afford to go lose at Northwestern, at Nebraska, too many more times. Mm -hmm. And that Wisconsin hands him a game back by losing this one. Good for Mike Rhodes, good for Penn State to get this first win to at least keep themselves in the conversation, get yourself closer to 500 in Big Ten play. See if you can build off of this. The story here is that the three guards, Kanye, Clary, Nick Kern, Jr., Nace Baldwin, had 62 points. Yeah. Wisconsin could not stay in front of them. And we've talked about it, that this Wisconsin team's good defensively. But this Wisconsin team is also playing differently and is consistently scoring 70-plus points. Yeah. They're giving something up defensively to do that. You saw that in this game because... When is the last time that Wisconsin lost this kind of game that they were expected to win while scoring 83 points? Yeah, it's um, I was looking through it. it it's not a, a Kempom stat profile that we see from Wisconsin very often. It's a top 10 offense in the country. Number six at Kempom right now. It's it's not a bad defense by any stretch of the imagination. It's a top 30, but it's been I mean, like last year, it was a sub 110. Excuse me, sub 140 offense and a top 20 defense this one is built a lot closer to the like mid 2010s teams like the final four team was first in offense and 35th in defense of course that this team is not not anywhere near as good as yeah there's no break the tank in there (laughs) yeah but so so don't get me wrong there but it's usually you're usually seeing them further down the list on offense than defense and that's not the case this year and what happens sometimes is like that's a backcourt in at Penn State that has firepower clearly, and sometimes there are nights where they're just going to make enough shots, and maybe you're not as equipped as well equipped as you would have been the last couple of years to to maybe stop it. Yeah, and Penn State took care of the ball too. That's the other yep. part of this. They just played really well and made Wisconsin beat them, and Wisconsin couldn't do it. And yep. it looked like for a second they might take control of the game back. They got it tied. And then it was more plays from Penn State, 
a parade of free throws. It seemed like every possession, whenever Penn State needed to stop, they just committed another foul, and Penn State knocked down more free throws. This was Penn State's game pretty much from start to finish. They were the better basketball team. They deserved to win. Really good, good statement win for Mike Rhodes to get some confidence going. And, yeah, now we're looking at the Big Ten – not that anybody thought that Wisconsin was going to run away with the conference anyway, but it just feels different when you're one game ahead of everybody in the lost column versus two. If they just could have kept this up a little bit longer, maybe Purdue slips up again, or at least you're making Purdue win two, three, four, five games in a row, not just have one good game against IU, but then follow it up again and again. Now you're one game away from being tied in the lost column with them and falling right back to the rest of the pack. At some point, I mean, you, you get to to six and zero in conference, and you know this is. I mean, Wisconsin is good at winning Big Ten games, so it's not like they're, they're a team that is notorious for going and losing four Big Ten games in a row. Like right. you might just get to a point where you have to be flawless if you're Purdue to to catch back up, and yep. that could still like that's they still have a game lead. Um, they Purdue still has, you know, ground to make up. Granted, that is a matchup that we will see twice the rest of the way. Wisconsin and Purdue play home and home this year. That's how the Big Ten schedule uh happened to shake out this year. But so there's still, you know, time for Purdue to go head to head with them. But it was a sneaky important uh sneaky important result for uh what the Big Ten race looks like in the middle of January. If Wisconsin ends up not at least getting a share of the Big Ten title and the rest of Penn State's season goes the way you expect it to, they already and, – and we said this from the beginning. Ace Baldwin is not a bad place to start nope. when you're completely rebuilding. Yeah, Mike Rhodes is not starting from scratch here. But you compare this to the rest of the teams in the Big Ten, this is a game you should win if you're going to win the conference, of course. That's never how this goes. It's what makes the sport great. But if you're Wisconsin and you end up one game back of Purdue or you tie for the Big Ten title, this is one you're going to look back on and wonder what could have been. Anything else from this Tuesday? A couple other games to acknowledge. You mentioned that Iowa State game. <laughs> Therese Halbert was on the broadcast. Did you see this? No. And he was just, he was locked in. Respect that guy. He clearly cares about psycho cyclone basketball. It was funny. They were talking to him, and he was stopping between answers to watch the possession. It was great. <laughs> about two thirds of the way through, he goes, "That BYU offense is amazing." Mm. He was blown away, and rightfully so. That was a spectacular offensive performance and a really really big win for BYU. You you've been a skeptic. Hasn't gone great in Big 12 play. Congratulations, you beat UCF. But they got a statement win. They looked really good doing it. Trevin Nell is not playing. I mean, they were spectacular. And then Seton Hall also. We were going to talk about this game, and Seton Hall just made it not an interesting game to talk about with Rick Pitino's sideline because of COVID. What, what I'll say is, well, first, Kadari Richmond quietly has been arguably the best player in the Big East. That needs to start getting acknowledged in two. I was curious just how much Shaheen Holloway could do because I'm always – it made all the sense in the world for Seton Hall to hire him, obviously. I'm always just skeptical of somebody who 
gets all that notoriety from one postseason run, right? Mm-hmm. We talk about this all the time. This is working. <laughs> Shaheen Holloway is doing a phenomenal job and doing what good coaches do, which is elevating the talent at their disposal. He does, it's not like he's got the most talented team in the Big East here. But here they are. They continue to win games. They continue to get better and better. They're taking on his mentality, his DNA. It's awfully impressive. So I wanted to give props to him and the 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 fighting Shaheen Holloways, I guess. The Pirates. Sure. Sure. That's gonna do it. Tuesday, January sixteenth. It's eleven twenty nine PM. Couple of, of of really nice matchups tomorrow that we'll talk about on Wednesday evening. Until then, take care of yourself for the next 24 hours. It's snowing and cold and disgusting pretty much everywhere in the country. So stay warm. We'll be we'll be back tomorrow. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your shows. Follow the under eight pod on Twitter. Subscribe on YouTube. Uh, and we will see you tomorrow.